Welcome to Tales of History and Imagination, Eccentric Tales from History by Simone Whitlow. This week's tale was written about a year ago for the blog page, historyandimagination.com. The influence for it really was that it was a story I'd had sitting around for a while, but it didn't make any cultural sense until Megxit happened, the exit of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle from the British royal family. Today, let me take you on another tale of a royal exit, the Sofsit of Count Königsmark and Princess Sophia Dorothea. Today's tale begins on the evening of July 1st, 1694. The setting, Hanover, a Germanic duchy which would eventually be subsumed into a larger German nation, and whose first family would go on to be kind of a big deal. A handsome young man, aided only by moonlight, sails along the Lien River until he reaches the Lienschloss, a palatial riverside home of the Duke and his family. He moors his boat, then cautiously enters the property. The man is Philip Christoph, Count Konigsmark, an aristocratic German-born Swede from a long line of mercenaries. His father had served King Gustav Adolf II in the Thirty Years' War, rising through the ranks to field marshal. Philip himself had fought the Turks for Holy Roman Emperor Leopold I. At this point in the tale, however, he was under the employ of the Elector of Saxony, Tonight he's been summoned to meet his paramour, Sophia Dorothea, Princess of Sel, the very unhappy wife of Duke George Ludwig. Sophia, though surprised she'd never summoned him, is ecstatic on his arrival. They haven't seen each other for weeks. She's also a little perturbed and angered at that woman's gall. Well, clearly she's still spying on us, I imagine her saying. Never mind, in a day we'll be out of this nightmare, the other may have replied. With rather less poetic license, you can imagine the rest of the night. Konigsmark had not come to play solitaire after all, nor Sophia to play old maid. I like to imagine Sophia enfolding the Count in her arms as he left, and whispering, Keep safe, hell hath no fury. That's a little anachronistic. Congreve wouldn't publish The Morning Bride until 1697. This is the last time Sophia Dorothea would ever see Count Konigsmark again. In the following hours, he would disappear from the face of the earth, never to be seen again. To explain how Sophia Dorothea found herself in such an unhappy marriage, I need to take us back a generation. The first fact worth knowing is there was no German nation in the modern sense until January 1871. People could be ethnically Germanic, but Germany was a collection of feudal states for most of its history. Until 1806, they were overseen by a Holy Roman Emperor. From 1346, the Emperor was elected by a council from the Elector States. This is important to know later. The second fact is marriages of convenience were very much a thing in the 17th century, particularly among the aristocrats. Third, this tale concerns two duchies, Brunswick Cell and Brunswick Lundberg, afterwards simply known as Hanover. These duchies were ruled over by two brothers. Fourth, their leading citizens of the duchies wanted to see the two areas reunited one day. Now that out of the way. Sophia Dorothea's father was a man named Duke George Wilhelm of Brunswick Cell. 
George W. had been engaged to a princess from the neighbouring duchy of Rhineland-Palatinate. Her name was also Sophia, although she hardly gets a mention beyond this point. But he was desperate to stay a bachelor a little longer. He cancelled the engagement, passing her on to his brother, Ernst August, Duke of Brunswick-Lunburg. The leading figures of George W.'s duchy were furious, but when George signed a legal agreement stating he would never marry, and would pass his duchy to Ernst, merging the duchies on his death, all was forgiven. George was not explicitly out of the firm, but he was free to enjoy his newly acquired freedom. The problem was Cupid laid George W. low after he crossed paths with a beautiful Frenchwoman, Eleanor de Oblerus. George immediately knew he must marry and start a family. His own duchy and brother Ernst were unimpressed, so George approached Leopold I, the Holy Roman Emperor, for permission to marry Eleanor. Leopold gave his blessing, but many years after the fact. At this stage, George and Eleanor already had a child, Sophia Dorothea, now 10 years old. There was a caveat to Leopold's blessing. George W. had a daughter, Ernst a son, known as George L. Two cousins would marry, uniting the duchies. This suited all but the two cousins themselves, who detested each other. Complicating matters further, both George Ludwig and his father Ernst were openly having affairs outside of their marriages. Given what transpires, it's worth mentioning George Ludwig's double standards with his affairs. The key fact to take on, however, is Ernst, Sophia's uncle-stepdad, was involved with a lady named Countess Platon. We'll come back to this lot in a second, but first let's discuss Count Konigsmark. Now he has quite a fraught backstory too. Konigsmark was brought up at court, and knew the rest of the cast well. Both he and his brother Karl were sent to England in their mid-teens, around 1680. They were sent to learn courtly skills and mingle, but both brothers soon got into trouble. Philip's trouble involved losing huge sums of money through gambling. Karl's trouble was on a whole other level. The two brothers began associating with several high society Britons, including Charles II. Carl had become smitten with Elizabeth Seymour, Duchess of Somerset. Elizabeth was, as many, caught in a loveless, arranged marriage to a wealthy, cheating husband. The wealthy landowner and Member of Parliament, Thomas Finn. On 12th of February 1682, Thin was travelling in a carriage through Paul Mall when three men with pistols, Christopher Bratz, John Stern and George Borowski, gunned him down. The three men were captured and named Karl Konigsmark as the man who hired them to make the hit. The assassins would hang, Karl walked free, but both young men were outcasts in England from this point on. Both returned to Europe and joined Leopold's army. Karl would be killed in action fighting the Turks in Greece in 1686. As an aside, not long after Thomas Finn's murder, a poem circulated through Britain. Here lies Tom Finn of Longleat Hall, who ne'er would have miscarried had he married the woman he slept with all, or slept with the woman he married. In 1688, after eight years' service in the wars with the Turks, Philip Konigsmark returned to the court with what was then Hanover. The ladies of the court fell for this dashing young soldier. He became a close friend and confidant of Sophia Dorothea, a sympathetic ear who could keep tales of Sophia's horrible husband, hideous uncle-slash-stepdad, and terrifying mistress of said uncle-stepdad, confidential. 
Konigsmark also began an ill-advised affair with Countess Platten himself. The young Count soon realised, 1. He had fallen in love with Princess Sophia, and 2. Countess Platten is a dangerous lunatic. He should have never become involved with her. He took on a new military commission and left Hanover, hoping the Countess would soon forget about him. On his return to the court in the spring of 1690, he began wooing the princess. The Countess, meanwhile, resumed the wooing of the Count. When left unrequited, she hired spies to follow the couple and intercept their letters. By 1693, Countess Platten stopped even attempting to repair the broken seals. Philip resumed his affair with the Countess, hoping to placate her, or at the very least stop her from spilling the beans on them. Philip and Sophia made the decision to run away together, to start a new life elsewhere, far away from courtly life. This presented a problem for the two. Philip was lousy with money, and currently broke. He had not been working while wooing the two ladies. Sophia, upon marrying George Ludwig, ceded all her possessions to her husband. Philip took a commission with the Elector of Saxony in Dresden in May 1694. Sophia sat tight and waited for Philip to make some money. 1st of July, at the urging of a counterfeit letter, Philip returned to Hanover, possibly aware it was a trap. Most of the court were away at the summer house at the time, George Ludwig included. Tomorrow morning they would run away and begin a new, happier life together. The following day, Count Konigsmark was nowhere to be found. A distraught Sophia Dorothea eventually hears a scuttlebutt from the markets. The witches of Dresden lured Philip away. So what happened? Well, let's work through what we know of the case. There are several possibilities. It's generally accepted the counterfeit letter come from the Countess. She had spies watching the couple, who reported to her the couple were planning to abscond the following day. It is established fact also that Countess Platten informed her other lover, uncle, stepdad, Ernst, of the two lovers' plan. Ernst ordered four cavaliers to arrest Count Königsmark immediately. The four men caught him outside the palace. Swords were drawn. When the men eventually faced trial, they claimed the Count had drawn his sword. A fight broke out, and the Count had gotten stabbed to death in the melee. I guess the real mystery is, what happened to the body? The four suspects were never on record on this matter. One theory has that the body was thrown into the Lean River, or immolated, or buried on the property. There was excitement in 2016 when bones were dug up on the site, but DNA proved the bones belonged to five separate men, none of them Philip, and a selection of animals. The first possibility is that this was just a manslaughter. Count Konigsmark, the battle-hardened soldier of fortune, thought he could fight his way out of an awkward situation, and the four men got the better of him. It was manslaughter. Possibility 2. When Ernst August sent the Cavaliers out to stop Konigsmark, did he give the order to murder him before the elopement uncovered his dalliances, causing him great embarrassment? He may have wanted him out of the way for this reason. Besides personal embarrassment, Hanover had only just been appointed an elector state, which would help choose the Holy Roman Emperor. A scandal involving their royals may have jeopardized that position. Three, well, the hell have no fury motive is also out there. Countess Platten was jealous and involved in high-level stalking behavior. She had laid this trap for the couple. Does it not make sense to go one step further? Did she kill Count Konigsmark? Fourth possibility, did George Ludwig know of the affair and order the assassination? 
An elopement certainly would have left him a cuckold. Working counter to this, however, George seemed unaware of the affair until after the affair was exposed. As soon as he heard, he divorced Sophia Dorothea. He exiled her to house arrest in Aldern Castle, another family possession. She was kept prisoner until her death 32 years later. That simply is my reason to doubt George as a mastermind. He divorced and imprisoned her six months after Count Königsmark disappeared. Perhaps George was an endlessly patient man knowing all of this, but I doubt it. Now I want to put a fifth suspect on the table. I said I wouldn't mention her again, but I need to in order to tie this to the Sussexes at the very least. Ernst August's wife, Sophia the Elder, scorned by George W. And in what one would imagine as unhappy a marriage as anyone else in this tale, her husband was cheating on her with Countess Platon after all. Well, she had a dream. Discontent with her lot in life, married to a petty duke in a tiny duchy, she daydreamed of a time when she herself, or her son, would run the larger archipelago to the northwest. This did not seem such a crazy daydream. Her grandfather had been James I of England. In 1685, Charles II died, leaving 14 illegitimate children, but no heirs. The crown passed to his brother James II, who was deposed in the Glorious Rebellion of 1688. This saw a joint rule by James II's daughter Mary and the Dutch import William of Orange. The line of succession had gotten a little complicated of late, and Sophia the Elder's daydream was seeming less and less blue-sky thinking, more a genuine possibility, just so long as a giant scandal didn't break out about her cheating husband cheating daughter-in-law, and surrounding rogues gallery. I can't count her in, but I certainly wouldn't count her out too, she had a motive. By 1702, Mary and William of Orange had died. The crown passed to Mary's sister, Anne. Anne fell pregnant 18 times, and suffered six miscarriages, five stillbirths, and none of her remaining children lived beyond two years of age. When Anne died on August 1st, 1714, the crown passed to one George Ludwig of an obscure German duchy, henceforth known as George I of England, whose family sit on the throne of England to this day. How do I feel about the Sussexes and Megxit? Well, for one, I'm glad for the couple that it's 2021, not 1694, and I wish them well. Thanks for listening, this has been Tales of History and Imagination. All episodes are written by me, Simone Mitlow. Produced and all music, yours truly. Visit the blog at www.historyandimagination.com We'd love it if you followed us on the social media, links in the liner notes. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave a positive review on the podcatcher of your choice. We'll be back in two weeks for more Tales of History and Imagination. <laughs>